Oh, death by podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. The final stretch. We're into stoppage time. Let's do it. Let's do it. Can Stadio pod? They always pod. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? We're almost home. We're almost home. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm caffeinated, uh, along with other substances. Uh, Whoa, don't worry. Just, steady on. Just, just the H2O, just the good old H2O. Musa is high as fuck. The only thing I'm high on is the joy of doing this podcast, Ryan. Oh my God. <laughs> Had to say it. Got to keep the natives happy. <laughs> <laughs> before we get going i just want to shout out everyone who is dealing with some last minute changes to plans at christmas um obviously our family and friends in the uk have been hit with some last minute nonsense i mean we're in kind of a not a similar situation here i mean it's there are restrictions with mixing households we were both supposed to go home to the uk for christmas we're both staying here yep yep so yeah, just wanted to shout out anyone who's who's going through it, and we hope that you can still enjoy the holiday period anyway, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. Speaking of which, on that note, we decided to do one more stadio session before the year's out. We're going to do it on the twenty sixth. We're going to do it in the evening. It'll probably be eight p.m. Berlin time. We'll check at stadio on Twitter. We'll stick up all the information and the times. Hopefully, with everyone probably being at home, we can kill a little bit of time, play some tunes. Uh, the theme is just going to be joy. It's just going to be really, really fun music all across the board. Obviously, commentary of classic football clips as well, which is always joyful. Yep, yep. But this time round, I'm going to have two mics. Yes, absolutely. In the building. No doubt. For the first time will be Musa Okwonga <laughs> on the broadcast. Absolutely. I'll never quit. You won't get me out of there. <laughs> this is our support bubble. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be two hours minimum. One final stadio session before the year is out. Yeah, yeah. Just a quick reminder about the Ringer FC Christmas schedule. After today, there will be a normal Wrighty's house on Wednesday with Carl and Jeanette joining Ian. Then there will be no stadio on the 24th on Christmas Eve. We're going to take that one off and give you guys a break. On the following Monday, normal schedule, there will be our final What If episode of the year. There will be a end of year writer's house on the Wednesday like normal. And then on the Thursday like normal will be another stadio. That's New Year's Eve and it will be the stadios aka our end of year awards ceremony yes the schedule will stay exactly the same apart from the 24th where there won't be a stadio but they will be well after Wrighty's house uh, on wednesday they'll all be pre-recorded because we're going to try and take a week off yep yep don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer and the ringer.com in general because there's some great stuff going up on the site any other admin? Oh yeah, Pub Bible Awards. I'm not sure if you can still vote, but if you can, please go yeah. and vote for us in the Sport Leisure Sport and Leisure Awards. Obviously, you can get this podcast anywhere. So if there is a platform where you can leave review, oh. please leave oh. a review, preferably oh, really? five star. Yeah, because it really helps 
go to the podcast. <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking about this week? So people who uh, only started listening to us when we joined the ringer, which is fine. Don't worry. No shade is being thrown. Absolutely none. We did this thing, I think it was at the beginning of lockdown, where we were talking, where something silly would come up in the podcast and we would ask people when we did the rating and review thing. Mm. We'd have like each week a theme of the reviews. Do you remember? Oh, yes. And then we'd say, can you leave like a, creme, a creme de menthe review? Yeah. As a joke, it was more of a kind of like, can anyone leave? Like we were talking about creme de menthe, right? Yeah. And it was about how creme de menthe is always just the thing that's at the back of the drink of a of your granddad and grandma's drink cabinet that's yeah. just there for years. Yeah. And we were saying that Stadio was very much the creme de menthe podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then all of the reviews for that week were just like creme de menthe, creme de menthe, creme de menthe. <laughs> so maybe we should think of a theme for anyone leave, anyone who's deciding to leave a review this week, maybe we should think of a theme oh, or suggest yeah. a theme for any reviews. We should, yeah, we should actually. I mean, could say it's the Black Coffee of podcasts, their first thing in the morning. There when you need it. There we go. There I am. See, I've come, look, that, how about that growth? There I go, I go from- No, 2020 was big for you, man. It was big, it was big, it was big. <laughs> went, went on a right, there you go, the Black Coffee of podcasts. Yeah. No sugar needed. No you milk needed. You can't go wrong with that, the Black Coffee of podcasts. I'll take it. I mean, I think that's actually very, very generous and we're probably- Catfishing. We're, yeah, we're massively we'll talking be, ourselves we'll be, up. Would be the first time. That's big, like, I'm definitely six foot energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely six foot. Uh, you're 5'8. Yeah. <laughs> closer to six foot. He's like, it's closer to six foot than five foot. <laughs> I'm not 5'8, by the way. Wild defensive much. Well, yeah, no need to be. 5'11 in heels, baby. <laughs> anyway on to today's show we will be talking about the premier league very very quickly we'll talk about the women's super league just to wrap up the results because uh carl Jeanette and righty will go into that a little bit more on righty's house we'll touch on the bundesliga Serie A, and i think we'll probably leave it for this week on that maybe a couple of other key games yep, yep. um maybe. but um yeah let's get into it after this This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Um, dude. Yep. 
because uh, he heard that we were going to take some time off. Someone wants to make an appearance before the year's out. Hang on. I've been watching you from afar, enjoying your takes. However, I'm yet to be seduced by your nonsense. I do propose a question to you. Should Scott McTominay win the Ballon d'Or? I await your response. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Man, that guy's so rude. He just pushes me out of the way whenever he wants to jump on the podcast. Uh, No, I think he should win the McBallon door. The McBallon door! (laughs) (laughs) From now on, whenever he balls out, it's the McBallon door. That's it, from now on. Those golden arches. Golden arches, no doubt. No doubt. If Scott McTominay had curtains, he would literally have golden arches. He would. He would. He needs to get them. (laughs) Maybe that's his default haircut without the kind of the short. Starship Troopers look, as I call it. He's looking very like uh, he means business at the moment. And he meant business on Sunday. He did. So, first player to score two goals that quickly early on in a game in the Premier League. Yes. I mean, which is when football began in 1992. So, yeah, it's the fastest ever, you know. Manchester United 6, Leeds 2. This was a really, really fun game to watch as a neutral. Oh my goodness, it was so much fun. And also, do you know what I think? Just before you jump into the serious stuff. I actually don't think Leeds fans will mind the result too much if that does that sound really strange i no, mean I, because it's because they're winning the games they have to win should we, do you want to start with scott mctominay or do you want to I summarize think, the game first I, I think so actually shout out to laurie whitwell athletic wrote a great piece on the tactical approach for this game and why scott mctominay and daniel james are picked basically the thinking being that against the press you play high tempo one touch play through it and you know which is what you expect so look we saw united blow away leipzig and it's the same thing. Leipzig had a very aggressive press. What happened? Um, United played through it. This wasn't a new thing. This wasn't something that Leeds would have been surprised no. by. No. And so teams that have a fast press, basically, United's press is light speed. And if you come out and meet United, they'll get in behind you. It's just what they do, right? They're brilliant at that. They're like, I mean, they're probably the best. They're actually the best in the Premier League at that, right? I'm one of the best in Europe. So that's the kind of overarching thing, you know, and... Marshall was great, didn't finish, was a bit uncertain apart from that, was brilliant. And United basically have incredible talent. They can just do that to you. But McTominay, we have to get into that. Yeah, I mean, b- before we do, like, yeah. I just want to say that I think that what you touched on before about the, the, the press thing with Manchester United, I think it's like you, you give Manchester United the perfect conditions for them to maximise the sum of their parts. We've said this a number of times over the last year or so that when they click, there aren't many better counter-attacking sides on their day. Because that front three is is rapid, but also they can just play out. It's, it's, it's more like when United have to have the ball in front of a deep block is when you see them struggle and the only player that they have that can kind of unlock that, well, before Donny van der Beek came in, was Juan Mata. And this is the thing, this is where the attacking coordination, in an in a, in a t- attacking coordination, and people will be like, oh, like, this team is coached as maybe as well as it can be or whatever it's not that it's like there there is there is an extra 15 percent there is unfortunately an extra 15 percent in the very tightest games a game like this where it's open united as devastating as anyone and 
They have an incredible amount of tools. I mean, this thing, this squad is stacked. It doesn't need much, actually. Like, it doesn't. Well, squad, I, th- I think the squad is, I remember us saying at points last season that the drop-off between the Manchester United starting eleven and the next options yeah. was quite steep, actually. Yeah. These are before the signings of obviously Donny van der Beek, Alex Tellers, and... Bruno Fernandes. Edison Cavani. I mean, what an option now. It's a similar thing with Spurs. Like Spurs had a similar drop-off between their starting eleven and the rest of their squad. And they just, the recruitment was really good. I think Manchester United's recruitment could have been better, but I do think that when everyone's firing, it's a lot more positive than it was at points last season in terms of being interchangeable or using different systems for different games and whatever. Do you know what I thought about this game watching it? I thought, this is what I imagine Scott McTominay's like in training every single day. That's interesting. You know, when you kind of see players do things in training that you never really see them doing games. Yeah. I thought there are a number of things he did in this game that you have rarely seen him do. Mm. He seemed to be playing with the freedom and a kind of swagger that you would expect him to be in training. This part and James's goal actually was yeah, the most was beautiful. That actually, funny enough, I was like, what's that thing you always quote from the Joker? Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah. yeah. And you know what was even cool? It was like one of those passes that his body shape after he'd hit it made, made it look like he was kind of going, oh yeah. Yeah, you admired it. Oh he yeah. absolutely ripped the ball into feet because here's the thing, like players can score spectacular goals. Players will have their day, but to be in the flow of a game, mm. to be in the flow of a game like he was and to hit that pass, I was like, that to me is, yeah, when you're controlling tempo, and it's funny because he did that against Chelsea actually when him and Matic played midfield and he flowed through this great uh, through ball for the winner and it was a kind of chipped pass I thought oh like that's a passing range you haven't shown before like every now and again he shows you something and but Tom and he's been in, he's in a funny position because I feel like he's been given weirdly enough more of a chance than players might get at a club that was elite a bit like Valverde at Real Madrid actually weirdly enough where the, the midfield is in transition so you've got like room for a young player to come in and maybe get more minutes than they might ordinarily get if a club was at its peak mm. he's played himself into a position that I didn't think he'd be in two years ago if you told me that he would be this well regarded and this prominent in a victory this decisive and this impressive I would have said I, I don't see that for him yeah but I also think it's, it's important to point out that like this doesn't mean that he's all of a sudden going to be like an uh, I don't know like an Iniesta or something like that or a Busquets or whatever yeah. I think he's he's a good centre midfielder Scott McTominay yeah he's he's kind of in a I'm not saying this because he's a central midfielder a Scottish central midfielder who plays for Manchester United but he's very much in the kind of like Darren Fletcher kind of not mould specifically in terms of skill set but I think in terms of profile or position that he can operate within a squad I think he's reliable yeah and I don't mean that he's necessarily like super lights out consistent 7 out of 10 every week but I mean He's going to like effort and stuff like that. I think he's, he's, he's all in. Yes. He's just a good central midfielder who I think yeah. can elevate their game also to a slightly higher level with complementary parts around him. And yes. actually can complement yes. those parts. Very much kind of like Jordan Henderson, actually. I feel like Tom Cleverley for him as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like earlier, Tom Cleverley is a good yeah. shout. He's a shuttling player between, the, if you have like a midfield three, he shuttles between the base of midfield and the top of midfield, mm. right? It's actually closer to kind of like, in terms of a profile, it's more like a, a Moussa Dembele profile. He doesn't have the kind of 
I mean, Mr. Bell is, Mr. Bell is obviously the kind of absolute peak of that category. Mm. I mean, is kind of the 80th percentile. Like he's, he's, you know, he's just a very good person to come in on that level. But Mm. yeah, so, so he's not always had the right pieces or the parts. And it's interesting that the best he looked was next to a fully fit Nemanja Matic. Yeah, I think that makes sense though, because if you think like Matic has been there and done it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's just going to be one of those players who is just a steady, reliable midfielder. I don't think, and I, 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 and it was just quite good seeing a game like this from him because I thought that like, well, first of all, the reason, the reason I mentioned the training stuff was because that first goal was a pure, pure training goal. Yeah. The way that he struck it yeah. with such confidence first time across the thing in the you know, first couple of minutes. The second goal, I thought was actually better the second goal. I think the second goal, there's a touch that he does, the, his touch to gather the ball for the first, first touch yeah. is really quite impressive. Yeah. I think there are a number of players who, who twist their body in a certain way to gather that on their left foot. So like to take it kind of on the half turn. What he does really well is that he makes this slight adjustment at the very last second to kind of almost do a step over to receive the ball. Yes. And it's yes. something like, it's something that that's not pre-planned. That's something that's just your brain's telling you this is the best way to control this. And it's a really, it's one of those ones that um, looks a lot easier than it is. It was, it's like Greenwood's goal against uh, Villa. Yeah, when he took the touch that to set time, it up. That extra yeah. one touch that he took with his wrong foot in terms yeah. of what, you, you know, really, really slight. It sets the ball up. It's Adjustments, almost like it's, yeah. yeah. Because they're, they're integral to the goal, basically, because it just means that, like, the way, but also because of the, the, the position of where the defender was, yes. Take it, controlling it on his right foot bought him more space. Takes you away from them, yeah. 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 And, and the way that his body would have turned if he'd kind of tried to gather it with his left meant actually the momentum would have been the, with the defender because he'd almost had to, like, check his body momentum to, to take it. It's a really, really smart touch, actually. And I thought it was a really, it was just a really aesthetically pleasing goal. I think both of his goals were actually. It reminded me of actually Michael Carrick in terms of the economy of the finish and the ease with which he sets it. I mean, Michael Carrick was the master at setting the table. I mean, I'm not comparing them as players because actually, again, hugely different players in terms of, frankly, positional sense or integrity or whatever. Yeah, he's got a way to go to be Michael Carrick as well. Yeah, yeah no, no, but actually wouldn't, you can't, in terms of positioning, Michael Carrick's positioning was off the scale. It was absolutely elite. Um, and it's, unfortunately, position is probably one of the weaker parts of McTominay's game, if I'm honest. You know, credit to him, obviously, because he's stayed the course and it's brutally difficult to come through the ranks at United, mm. given all the international talent that comes in that club. Laurie Whitwell made a great point in his piece I mentioned earlier um, about Hasler being a big fan of McTominay's because McTominay's endurance over distance mm. is, is incredible. I don't know, it's like a bit of a feel-good story, actually, considering you look how hard Jesse Lingard's found it, um, and I don't think Lingard now returns that level of prominence within the squad anymore. You know, he's really, I think Lingard has, I think maybe peaked at United and mm. you look at, it's quite poignant to see someone like Danny Welbeck. I mean, obviously injury has been a problem for him, but Danny Welbeck over at Brighton scoring again this weekend. Yeah, second goal, yeah. Yeah, it, it's poignant because it's the reminder that, you know, the dream doesn't always work out. Mm. So McTominay, the dream is still ongoing and still kind of ascending. And I just kind of, Hope he can keep pushing that as far as he as he can. Really, yeah. um, I hope he pushes it as far as he can because it's been really impressive what he's done. A good win for Manchester United. Yeah, superb up to win. third, right? 
up to third. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. They play Leicester soon. Oh, well, shall we uh, maybe touch on Leicester next? Yeah, let's get into that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so Leicester beat Spurs 2-0 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Leicester doing Leicester things. Obviously, the 2016 league title will be the most impressive thing they'll ever achieve just because of, I mean, it's the league title, right? Mm. But in a weird kind of way, in another kind of way, Leicester's prolonged success, it's not as dramatic as a league title, but in its own way, it's almost as impressive because 2016, you might say, okay, they got caught napping other teams. They were in transition and Leicester basically were brilliant at a time when everyone else was kind of rebuilding. And by the time people realised what Leicester were up to, it was January mm. and their momentum was up. I mean, it's still an incredible achievement in the league, don't get me wrong. At the same time, what they're doing now with Rodgers, at a time when other teams can see them coming and know what they do, it is. And to beat Mourinho like this, a time when he's really needing that win, that these are points that he would want. He'd want at least a point from this one and would be going for the win. I mean, it's just... Tricky week for Spurs, huh? Yeah. The draw against Palace and then the two defeats in a row against Liverpool and Leicester. In isolation, none of those results are awful. Palace draw is the one. Yeah, the Palace draw is not good. I mean, but taken together, it's a nasty bruise for sure. The only thing I would say is, we've only played 14 games so far, that's nothing. Like, mm. And I think it is, can I be frank with you, Ryan? Mm. It's because we were all at home. This is the thing I need to say. Like, Often on Twitter, people go like, there's a big storm, people are arguing, people are this. And I just said to my mate, I said, look, is it just because everyone's at home? Yeah. Everyone's at home? And it, 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 sometimes it's as simple as that. Yeah. And we're talking, not us, but people generally, football is talking in terms of these grand swings, but it's just, it's 14 games into a Premier League season and it's completely yeah. out of kilter because the way it's all started and we had all this football before and there's an overload. It's still only 14 games. It's nothing. It's absolutely mm. nothing. So Spurs have got time to make that back. What I would say though for Spurs, the slight cautionary tale for them is weird points aren't being dropped anymore by, they're not being dropped so often anymore by big teams. You had the kind of, you know, Liverpool, put it this way, Liverpool are not losing. They're not having a 7-2 again this year. That's not happening again. Mm. I think they've worked out, because I think the first blow that Liverpool took, the 7-2 and then the, the injuries, the illnesses, they've worked out that in their squad, they've got pieces. They've got Reese Williams. They've got Curtis Jones. I mean, what an unbelievable player again. Fabinho can do a job. So Liverpool have worked out how to cover the worst aspects. So Spurs have to be a bit careful because the low-hanging fruit, not so much there anymore. Mm. The league is almost maturing now. People are working out. Like, and to be honest as well, you can actually say in, in Solskjaer's defence and, and Lampard's defence as well, they take those points and those, they play those boring games knowing that they'll pick up points later in the season. For now, just keep pace with the, with the leaders. I mean, it was a good result for Leicester who bounced back from that defeat at Everton who beat Arsenal. We'll touch on this very quickly because I think they will go into it more on Wrighty's house. Yeah. Every single Arsenal game, I think, is difficult to view in isolation because of the accumulation of form. You know, Arsenal have had some sketchy results at Goodison before with far better squads. And I don't think the result in isolation was that terrible. I think that just when you look at some of the personnel who are turning out for Arsenal regularly, that's a worry. And that's a sign of how far they've fallen. But also, I'd, I would say that this Everton are legit. And I think that what they've done in the last three or four weeks now is like, uh, or last three or four games, sorry, I think is they've managed the game really, really well. Yeah. And they managed that second half superbly against Arsenal because they just knew, they didn't do anything they didn't need to do. Right. You know, finding Nemo, the movie, right? 
Yeah, yeah. It's just like, don't go past the drop-off. Yes, exactly, exactly. You Basically, know. Everton, Everton at the moment are pure, like, they're in the reef. They don't need to go off the drop-off. You don't know what's out there. Just stay on the reef, right? And, and this, that's I, perfect. I, I, that's perfect. That's all they needed to do against Arsenal because Arsenal weren't a threat. The five or six minutes of stoppage time, however long it was at the end of the game, were the best I've seen Arsenal in the league for ages. Just <laughs> those five minutes. They all of a sudden looked like mega urgent and actually looked like they were active as opposed to being quite worryingly passive. The problem again is the same problem with Arsenal and this is why I struggle to talk about it too often because it's just the same thing over and over again. So it doesn't really make for that particularly interesting listening, I don't think, is that there's a massive lack of creation in central areas and we know why that is. Yes. And we know who can fix it. Yes. Are they the same player as they were in 2013? No. No. Are they still the best option that Arsenal currently have? Yes. So therefore, do it. Again, in isolation, I think a defeat away at Everton isn't a massively dreadful result. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. August the 17th, 1994. France v. the Czech Republic. The 63rd minute. A player warms up on the touchline. Long limbs, full head of hair, 14 on his back. His name is Zinedine Yazid Zidane. He's been waiting for this a long time. Giant, Zizou's France debut, exclusively on Spotify. We need to talk about Liverpool. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness, we definitely I cannot believe that this has been so far down the running order. The Liverpool goals in this game were so unbelievable. Oh my God, they were calm. Also, Palace missed a couple of really big opportunities at 1-0. But this often happens in a thrashing, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. All yeah. the time. Yeah, all the yeah. time. It really does. We need um, to get a phrase. There needs to be a phrase for that. There is a thing that happens just before the deluge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This could have very easily been 3-2 Liverpool. Yes. I know the XG was a little bit wider because of the goals, but like still, I think that the goals in this game were so good. I think, was it, was it Liverpool's record away defeat? Uh, record away win, I think. Gosh, is it? I mean, but the thing's symbolic. It feels, it feels like a bit, I mean, Symbolic as well, because Palace is a place they've had issues before. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Now this, yeah. this actually, this is a... Chris this Campbell. Is, this is, this, yeah, this is, a, ha, this is a statement victory for Liverpool. This yeah, is, a, yeah. Because yeah, this is now like, do you know what this is like? This is like when the, um, it's like in Star Wars, when you see the Imperial cruisers just roll out mm. and it's the, the fleet is at full strength. I know they've got players missing, but, the Liverpool project, because Liverpool is bigger than, it's bigger than who's in and who's out. It's bigger than that. Minamino getting in oh. there early. And that, see that there, when that happened, I'm like, okay, it's going to be a long, long weekend for Crystal Palace. And Firmino, good Lord. This feeling week, he's, he's like, he's, he's absolutely it. firing. And yeah, he's the, the, the quality of his finishes was so good. That, that counter-attack where he laid the ball out to Robertson, Robertson dribbles down the left, crosses it back into him. The first touch of that is so good. Oh. And the, 
but also his dink for the second. Dalglish yeah. against Bruges. It was Kenny Dalglish against Bruges in the European Cup final. Whoa. That's the so first time. Dalglish was the first time I'd ever seen a finish like that. Obviously, I was not alive at the time, but like, you know, you, you watch the highlights. Mm. The Dalglish finish of just flipping over the keeper at close range when he's fallen is just like mm-hmm. so old school. And Firmino, the thing I love about him is like, I reckon a lot of those older Liverpool players, that generation, the Dalglish generation, they must love him. I bet a lot of them, if they're like, who would you take in your team? They'd be like, Bobby Firmino. I reckon he'd be the first player for a lot of them, actually. Mm. Um, so he's the kind of bridge from the old and the new, but seeing Jordan Henderson just stroke under the top corner. I know. Lace it. It was like watching like... Um, and Salah's watch- as well. It was just like... <laughs> yeah, but the, the Henderson... Because Salah, you know that's what he does, but Henderson, it was just like almost... First touch had I'm, Henderson, I'm feeling wasn't it? it? I'm feeling it. It was mm. like watching like... That was another like training ground goal, I think. Yeah, it was like watching someone at batting practice, like baseball batting practice, just like loop it over the fence. With, like mm. you know, the minimal, you know those guys that just hit it with minimal apparent power mm. and it just laces. And it was so funny. <laughs> Harry Sethi, shout out to him. He posted a really hilarious picture. <laughs> it was a meme of some like sort of cartoon creature, like looking like really anxious. And it was like Mo Salah waiting on the bench, like watching them rack up the score. <laughs> and Salah came on and he scored twice. It was funny. It was like, you're like, this is so a guy making up for lost time. It's, you know, he's now like hunting that golden boot down. Shout out to Callum Jacobs, mm-hmm. who mentioned that too. Hunting the golden boot down and Liverpool in this form, they're again the team to catch because they've solved the bulk of the problems, I think. It's really funny to watch across the leagues in Europe, the big teams working out the problems. Mm. You know, Atleti and to an extent Real Madrid in Spain working out the problems after the initial challenges. You see in Italy, you see Milan solving problems, Inter solving problems. It's like almost after the initial kind of, I mean, Milan have just been steady good, but the other big teams, after taking the initial knock, are now finding their stride. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think this is going to be the difference this year is like who can, who can basically just keep all of the plates spinning yes, as absolutely. long as possible. Yes, yes. Newcastle Fulham was one all, a, a really weird penalty. Yeah. I think Fulham were quite unlucky there, actually. I felt for yeah, I felt for him. Yeah, Joachim um, Anderson got sent off for a slight touch on Alan Wilson. But, oh, it was his second book of ball. It was a point they really needed as well. That's the thing. They yeah. didn't make any mistakes in that game. They didn't really make any big mistakes. They did everything right. Yeah, um, weird one that. But um, obviously Newcastle are really struggling with still with the aftermath of that big COVID outbreak. Incredible article actually COVID, just to mention. Yeah. Steve Bruce talking about COVID at Newcastle. Please yeah. check it out. Get a moment in the Guardian. It's an amazing read. Really important. Yeah. Um, Southampton nil City won. Ralph Hasenhuttle said after the game, we played better today than we did last season when we beat them. This was a really good game, I think. It was a really enjoyable game to watch. And Ryan Sterling with a big like, yeah. <laughs> but he celebrated. But it shows how important it is to beat Southampton now. It's funny, isn't it? It's the respect that they command. Yeah, I mean, they basically were kind of similar similar ballpark for possession, similar amount of passes, accurate passes, a little bit down on pass success. It's amazing the job he's doing. This is the thing. It's, it's weird. It's kind of like, it's yeah. actually, you know, it's funny because, you know, Lewis Hamilton recently crowned Sports Personality of the Year. We said this before, like, it's just, they make, they, they're so good. They raise expectations to the point where mm. you forget that what they're doing is amazing. Hazard, just, just a gem. Dropping two points away at Arsenal and losing at home to Manchester City in the same week and they will feel disappointed at Southampton. And rightly so, yeah, yeah. Another one one in the Premier League was Brighton with a late equaliser against Sheffield United, Danny Welbeck getting the goal and they could have, they could have snatched it as well. They're having a horror season. United, yeah, yeah. 
In Big Sam's first game in charge, West Brom would be in 3-0 at home by Villa. Jake Livermore was sent off just after half an hour and for a horrible tackle on Jack Grealish. Um, I didn't like that tackle at all. It was really what other kind of tackle is there though? I mean, on Grealish, Grealish, like he has that thing where he just leaves you and they just, for some reason, his ankles are catnip the defenders. They just hack at mm. him. I think he's a really brave player, Grealish, because he seeks contact so often. Mm. I think that's an underrated part of his game. I mean, he... Like Jack Wilshere, actually. Jack Wilshere used to do that quite a lot. That was Jack's problem. Jack, that's my cause. <laughs> Probably cost Jack his career, to be honest. But... Wilshere, what a player. Yeah, they get me started on. Oh my goodness, Benatrari's goal. Oh my goodness, this, this goal. Just this gorgeous finish. We kind of like, he's on the run and kind of scoops out of his body into the bottom corner. Like no excess power. It was lovely. Yeah, gorgeous strike. Let's go to the Super League. Uh, like I said, we're going to cover this in a little bit more detail on Wright's house. But um, Arsenal had a good result against Everton, which was, this was the Arsenal-Everton game you wanted to watch. Manchester United beat Bristol City 6-1. Another potential at Tobin Heath angry goal, although the second one wasn't. It was a bit, bit too happy. The first one was. But yeah, Arsenal beating Everton 4-0 and probably the big game of the weekend, I suppose. Almost feel like Everton. People have seen them coming now. I, there's been a couple of results mm. now where it's like, people are onto them. Yeah. I think they caught people by surprise. I mean, they still finished. I think they'll still have a good finish this season. They've played some great football. Mm. They still have some big victories. But I think this result was the sort of confirmation of the last sort of like month. Since the cup final for them, it's been, yeah. it's been rough. And also... They aren't operating on the same level as the, the top three. And squad depth is a challenge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, they're still doing well. Oh, yeah. I think for Arsenal, a really positive thing was that they managed to rest Viv Miedemar and Daniela van der Donk until inside the last 20 minutes they brought them on. The Arsenal were already 4-0 up. Another real positive moment from this for me was, well, for everyone, I think, was Jen Beattie scoring for Arsenal. Jen Beattie, who came out last week about her breast cancer diagnosis. Mm. So she's playing through it at the moment. Um, and just a massively popular member of the squad and obviously of the Scotland national squad as well. And just super happy for her because I think it's been quite an emotional time for her, obviously, and understandably. And we just hope that she can re- she gets through it. And um, yeah, props to Jen. It's BT. amazing. Everyone's, everyone's rallied around in a really kind of, um, really beautiful way. But yeah, I do, I do like the kind of community that I've seen as a result of this uh, announcement. Um, yeah. Let's start to the Frau Bundesliga quick because it was the final game before the winter break. Yep. Final games before the winter break. Uh, Bayern beat Sand 8-0 to secure their, they are the winter champions, the Herbstmeister of the Frauen Bundesliga. They are topped by five points over Wolfsburg, who also won 2-0 against Essen. Weird result from the weekend, though, in a kind of a really important game between Hoffenheim and Turbina. Turbina got absolutely hammered 5-0 at Hoffenheim, which was last season. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's, that, it's going to be between those two for the final Champions League spot and Turbina have got a game in hand on Hoffenheim. Mm. However, now, I mean, Hoffenheim's goal difference is so superior that even if they win that, they'll still be beneath them in the table. So quite a disappointing weekend for Turbina, especially because Bayer Leverkusen won as well and closed the gap on them to two points. Obviously, like I say, Hoffenheim's get, have, Hoffenheim have got a game in hand against Werder Bremen who are down in ninth. Um, but yeah, Bayern, top of the Frauen Bundesliga at Christmas with a 100% record. Played 12, won 12, scored 40, conceded 1, 36 points. Hard to see passing for the league, unfortunately. Hard Big change of the tide in Germany. Yeah. Let's stay in Germany. 
because Bayern Munich are also the Herbstmeister in the men's Bundesliga. A late, late goal, uh, securing the win against Bayer Leverkusen, which was a top-of-the-table clash. I'm really disappointed in Bayer Leverkusen, actually. Really? And I hope they are disappointed in themselves because they are a really very good team. They're absolutely legit. And the goals that they conceded were entirely avoidable. Yeah, they were quite poor. They were really avoidable. And I hate to say, maybe this is a compliment to them in an extent. It's like, you lost this game. You didn't, you didn't lose this game. You, you conceded it. You conceded mm. it. Like, on the stroke of half time, Hodetsky and Tar basically didn't know who was coming yeah. to the cross. Massive mix-up. They had a mix-up. And, you know, can I be honest with you? That's the kind of mix-up that happens when you know that you're 1-0 up with a couple of minutes to go till half time. It's what happens because it's the anxiety of no one claiming it. Like, yeah. that is the kind of, and it was funny because our German WhatsApp group, my mates in the football team, the WhatsApp group exploded and the first voices in the group were from German friends of mine. They were like, Hrodetsky. And I was like, I know it's like, he, he's a superb keeper. And at the same time, every now and again, in particular games, we've seen it against Bayern before. I think we saw it in mm. the Pokal final. These crucial mistakes, and it, unfortunately in football, we've said it a thousand times, it's small margins, right? And Leverkusen showed Evan there about. This has been superb. Leon Bailey carrying the ball beautifully. There were so many things that were amazing. Patrick Schick was great. And to be honest, again, oh, his goal as well. They should have been 2 0 up. The Patrick Pat- Schick goal was so good. This is the thing Schick's goal was gorgeous, but he should have scored twice in the first half. Yeah. This is the frustrating thing this year. Offsides are like a good, off- a good, a good run is like a good first touch, right? Actually, mm-hmm. to be caught offside in a certain position is a kind of slight technical failing, right? At some level. And Schick, and these again, small margins. But basically, when Schick basically got called back for offside, I was like, that was the moment. Mm. You go 2-0 up against Bayern and you've got them and you give them a chance. And we've seen it before. We saw it against Wolfsburg the year, uh, this, the year before. It's been happening every year. We saw it against Wolfsburg the week before when they let Lewandowski get that goal back just for half time and Bayern came out after the break and then just bullied the opposition. And it happened again and it was frustrating to watch because Leverkusen had been so good. And now, unfortunately, this goal, the late goal, the late deflection of um, Tar, who didn't have his best game, unfortunately. No. The problem with this defeat now, it confirms the narrative about Leverkusen, which is unfair and untrue. Like, you'll, people look at that result and be like, oh, typical. They can, no, it's not that. They, they beat themselves. And that's unfrustrated for them because they played it for a large part of this game. They played the better football, actually. Mm. And they, they're still... They're still living up to Slyax though, because you know Ajax had it in him as well. Case yeah, they are. Like, the bad bit of like weird result. The bad bit of news is that Wolf is now back at the breakfast table. Mm. Kimish came on and played a part in that goal, and he is back way ready, way ahead of schedule. Way yeah. earlier. I mean, that is a problem. That, that is, is a, a real, real it, problem because nobody wants that smoke. No, not at all. And it looked like he was going to be out for ages. Who wants any part of that in the Bundesliga? No one wants any parts of that. I mean, there was a weird thing where Sané came on after half an hour and then went off again with 20 minutes to go. I love Flick's reasoning. Flick's reasoning was great. He was like, well, because Sané's actually scored a fair bit in the league. He's done all right. But Flick, you know, they expect more from Sané. And Flick said, he lost the ball a couple of times. Okay, you know, fine. But this was from a previous game. He said he doesn't attack space and one-on-ones as much as we want him to. We want him to be more aggressive. Mm. He wasn't aggressive enough. Now he was taken off for Jamal Musiala who came on and hit the post and who drove into space. And I think there was a slight timidity. I think that Sané hasn't got his game rhythm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wonder yeah. whether there's still a mental aspect from the, 
like a mental hangover from the injury. Possibly. I mean, the thing is, you've got Coman, Gnabry, Sané and Musiala emerging now. Mm. There's a threat where it's like, you're not an automatic starter, even though you come back to, you've come back to Munich and the place isn't there for you that you thought would be, not in a kind of arrogant way, but you thought it'd be easy to settle in. And you've had, he had a couple of great games early on, but I mean, those games weren't actually against the absolute elite. And you almost feel like it's just the patience thing of him. I think it's just, I think it's easy to overanalyze it, mm. but the way that Flick analyzed the sub was really clever. He was like, look, we brought him at 32, took him on at 68. Can't take off Muller. Muller's indispensable, which was true because Muller was basically yeah. falling out. He's in- indispensable. Gnabry actually stepped it up. And so having to bring someone on, Sané had to come off. And actually, I think... Yeah, you can't argue with it. No, you can't. It's just, it was it's just, just the reason. taboo, isn't it, about in, you know, taking a player off who's already been... It's like whatever. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was really, really smart. And, you know, mm. the thing I love about Flick is Flick, he makes the hard choices. Yeah, well, he's got the authority too, yeah. He, he makes them look easy as well. Yeah. Really impressive from Lewandowski, who is just operating at a level that few others are at this point. Yeah. I mean, him and Benzema basically are out by themselves at this point. Benzema and Kane, but they're really like... I don't know, Luis Suarez is having fun. I'm like, whoa, yeah, actually, yeah. Quickly, Wolfsburg are into a Champions League spot after being Stuttgart 1-0 on the weekend. And they are, they're only six points off top. And Joseph Brekhol has been on a journey. He's been on a real journey since... Not in a Fred way. <laughs> no, 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 not in a, good, in a good way. Technically very astute. Scores important goals. They're getting goals for now, Renato Stefan. Their fullbacks are looking really good. Mm. They get a lot from width. And Wolfsburg just quietly, weirdly enough. Just plodding along, man. They just do their thing. Yeah, they just plug along. I mean, they're always one signing away from something else. I think they will fall away. We'll see. I mean, with the form of Dortmund at the moment, I mean, Dortmund have only won one of the last five. They lost to Union on Friday night in Berlin 2-1. Yeah. Union, by the way, who are a point behind Dortmund. Union are a point off the Europa League spot in the Bundesliga. An automatic Europa, uh, Europa League spot, I should say. Urs Fischer is doing an incredible... Urs Fischer is a Oh my G. goodness. He's amazing. Ryan, like, it's, it's actually incredible. We were talking about this and actually, shout out to Dave Brannock. Dave Brannock said the most impressive thing about Urs Fischer the last three seasons is his ability to adapt each time. Yeah. From the way they played in the Zweite... Bundesliga to last season, which was basically like sort of set pieces and counterattacks, and this year playing a bit more on the front foot, adding mm. creativity. And now they've got Max Kruse out and Awanee, mm. who's been Awanee's on loan. He's been on loan from Liverpool. He's done on seven. He's been at Liverpool since 2015, I think. He's been on loan seven times. It's mainly visa issues that stop him getting a run at Liverpool. But he has been brilliant. He should have scored the winner against Bayern. He was great again at the weekend. And I'm just, I'm so happy for Union because it's just such a well-run club. It's such a well-run club. club. Well-coached. Yeah, just a really good club, yeah. The only real plus side for Dortmund was that Yusofa Makoku got his first Bundesliga goal. At the age of 16, he becomes the youngest ever Bundesliga goal scorer. And it was a hell of a finish as well. What a finish, like kind of took it in the channel. It's, very, it's a very Dortmund-like goal. It's just like basically you could have interchanged him and Haaland, actually the kind of finish in the channel that he picked it up in left foot. A friend actually compared time. it to Bang. Rooney's, um, Paul French compared it to Rooney's strike in the Champions mm. League against Fenerbahce. And it's funny because you can sort of say similar youthful confidence, but he was on all game, like six attempts on goal, I think, two on yeah, target. He was really, I thought he was really impressive, actually. His movement is superb. He's, and like you say, his link play, his build-up play, he's a very, very good footballer. 
Yeah, he's, he's really a special. You know, when you see certain players and you're like, no, you're not going to be a one goal wonder. Not, not that he was no. ever going to be like that, but you see no. him playing like the way he combines is yeah. Yeah, a different level. Do you want to talk about Marcus Tram quick? Um, yeah, there's a moment yeah. in Gladbach's 2-1 home defeat to Hoffenheim, which would have been the story in itself. Gladbach are kind of stuttering in the league this season. So Marcus Turam was sent off after a bit of an altercation with Hoffenheim player Stefan Posh. He then spat at Posh. Uh, Turam was sent off for it. Posh was given a yellow card and then substituted. Obviously, Marcus Turam is going to face a very lengthy ban for this. I heard at least six games, I was saying. He did apologise after the game. Not immediately, but on Twitter, yeah. Um, and um, then he, I think he was still in the heat of the moment, but yeah, Gladbach have already announced, I think, a month's, they finally a month's wages. Mm. So they've been proactive, at least in that sense. I mean, do you know what? Okay, this is, okay, this is so awful because it's COVID, right? We're in a pandemic and, you, you know, so the, just the act of spitting. The problem is actually that spitting in football defines your career, like it, it happened to like, you look at Frank Reichard, right? Frank Reichard was associated for years with a spitting incident because it's such a kind of, um, it's so visceral, so unnecessary. And it's awful for him, actually. It's awful for him in so many ways. So this was bad enough. This was a terrible thing that he did. Um, you know, you don't spit, this is, but then also, you know, he's bad at someone, he was sent off, he was caught. It's during a pandemic, so it makes it worse. And then what makes this thing I think the whole incident has now exploded into something worse, I think, because it's become a symbol of something. So Karl Heinz Rummenigge came out and there was a discussion, a panel discussion on German TV. And he basically said, can you imagine if the situation was reversed? Would this be another debate about racism again? If a white player spat on a black player, would you, don't it be need about to, you do not need to fucking throw that in there. And he did it. He threw that in there. And now, and the problem, the damage is done, unfortunately, now, because I saw a very good article um, earlier today in German media basically saying how Rummenigge has played into the hands of the far right. Rummenigge does this though. And as on the same weekend that Leon Goretzka came out and gave a really, really good interview about Incredible. pushing back on the far right. I tell you, I, do you know what? Actually, fuck it. I'm not even answering that because it doesn't deserve a response from Carl. So the, the worst thing is I was, all of a sudden when I, woke, when I woke up and saw that article, do you know what I thought to myself? So I saw the video and I thought, oh my gosh, this is awful. And I saw the analysis of how it was playing out in Germany. And I thought to myself, honestly, Ryan, I was like, wait a minute. So now black people are like responsible for a black guy spitting on a white player and like now black people are exaggerating. And the real thrust of it is black people are now spit, we exaggerate racism. And it was so, just watching him sit there, I thought to myself, you do not deserve the quality of the players under your command. And I say that, I'm honest, they don't deserve, you don't deserve actually a Leon Goretzka, like he's better. The way that Hansi Flick has worked with a multi-rate, look at, look at that diverse buying squad, right? Mm -hmm. And look how they fight for each other. They're harmonious. You look at that squad, there's no, you don't look at it, you don't see a sense of, there's um, preferential treatment over race, over age. Jamal Musiala is brought in yep. to play big. That, Bayern have no problem playing five, six black players a game. If those are the best players, we play them. That's not a thing to them. They just, Hansi Flick is the real deal, right? And you've got this incredible organisation, first team level, and you've got people like Rummenigge mouthing off it's actually you know what it is it's, it's so entitled yeah but Hernes did it as well Bayern have always and Oliver Kahn will do it as well because yeah, you know yeah. it's just a it's thing arrogant. that these it's a thing you know Lothar Matthias has come out and said it like these a lot of these kind of like white ex-German footballers <laughs> they talk a lot and they talk sometimes they talk a lot of shit prime example is when Hernes came out and was mouthing off about Mesut Ozil about how he's not an issue no one really cares about him no one worries about him 
Yeah, if you read Pep Confidential, there's a whole thing about a training session that they do that is solely designed to stop the ball getting to Meza Erzul. I love this so much. Yeah, yeah. And they do it all the time. They do it all the time, this lot. The people who speak out against these guys the most, Bayern Ultras. Bayern yeah. Ultras are one of the primary yes. people who hold these guys accountable. They protest. Yeah. They protest sponsorships. They protest certain relationships the club has, club has with organizations. They do their best to hold the club accountable for something. Bayern Ultras do a hell of a lot of really amazing work. Yeah, they really do. Shout out to them. Much respect. Pulling the club up on its missteps. But to be honest, man, like it's, I don't want to sound like I'm sweeping under the carpet because it's a shame, it's just, it's a shame that something like this will be so damaging, but it's just like, these guys will always talk. Always. Yeah. They always have, they always will. And to be honest, it's just another one of the like, who gives a shit? I don't care what Karl Heinz Rummenigge has to say about a situation that involved none of the players that play for his club and didn't involve the club itself. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. And no one should care actually. And that's the, yeah, I got to say as well, to be honest as well, part of me goes, if you're watching, if you're watching Marcus Turan spit and that is where your mind is going and you think that's valid, actually, that's also on you. Take some damn responsibility, right? It's a footballer being highly irresponsible, spitting on another footballer. And that's what this is. And if you take anything more from that, then frankly, you've got your own agenda anyway. That's what I see it. Like you, know. like you said before, spitting during a pandemic is obviously super, super gross. Spitting at all is, is still mega, mega gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's that. Let's do Serie A. Another big result for Milan. Oh my gosh. Going after six seconds. Uh, yeah. This, it's not that complicated. It's just like, there you know it is. It's just sheer alertness. Mm, they the just weren't switched on. They weren't surging into the gaps. And they look, Milan in the first half were brutal. They could have got a second very quickly. Liao returned the favour to Kalanoglu and it was this allowed for offside. Got a second and then Sassuolo actually regrouped and pushed back hard. Got a late um, goal, but wasn't enough. Ended up 2-1 and super impressive for Milan. This was a big win because they had a couple of draws, actually. They had a draw against Genoa and they, um, they came back as well from Tunnel down. So yep, they've had two, two, I think two two-all draws. Yep. And this was, yeah, and then and Palmer got done 4-0 by Juventus. So Juventus are making strides. So this was a big win for them, a statement victory, if you will. And they're legit. Like, you, you know, you watch certain teams, like watching, even, even watching Leverkusen lose, I'm like, Leverkusen will be there and thereabouts. Hopefully until I mean, the squad issues will be a problem for Leverkusen with the squad depth, but they'll be strong, I think, until at March at least. But Milan, Milan really could do it this year. Mm, yeah. The most impressive thing about them is the way they've coped with the fluctuating form of some of their playmakers and the absence of Zlatan. And also a couple of COVID things as well. Yeah, they've really been impressive. Like, and Pioli, I mean, look, I don't want to bring it down to the outfit, but... Rolnick. Listen... There's power in it. You look at what Scott Parker's doing with it. You know, it's working. He's working. The, the spirit is working through We're him. running long. Yeah, sorry. But Listen. My Ronick theories. This has all gone very Karl Heinz Rummenigge. <laughs> if he was wearing a cardigan, would you be still talking about the same energy? Yeah, he's got the same energy. So shout out to Milan, but also look, shout out to Atalanta who had a big win. They needed that for so many reasons. So very quickly, can I, can I just say, this was, this, was, this was vintage Atalanta. Yes, and it was the first time we goals seen in the last half hour. Yeah, we, four goals in 26 minutes, and we haven't yeah. seen this Atalanta this year. And also, big thing for them, two huge things, in the absence of Papu Gomez, Ilicic was lights out. And the way they celebrated with him, so the first thing was, obviously, him being back to incredible form. 
but the way they celebrated, he came on as a sub and just destroyed Roma. And Roma have been balling out so far. They've been really strong. They've been surging. Mm -hmm. He came in and he just laid down the law. The way they celebrated around him felt like had an extra urgency. Like they know, he, he actually, it was, it was a cross, I think, for Zapata. And they, they ran, they celebrated with him almost like he'd scored it mm. because they're like, the king is back. And at the end, when he walked off, again, big MF Doom energy, like arms in the air, like, it was like, I'm back. It was good to see him back, actually, and good to see him kind of return into He's the happy. level that we know he can get to, yeah. Obviously, gorgeous, he spent time back in the Ljubljana, I think, yeah. for some off-the-field stuff, which we hope is, you know, kind of yeah. all, all good from. They were really good. Um, it was a really fun last half an hour of this game. Into six wins on the bounce in the league. Point behind Milan. Lukaku doing the business. Ashley Young doing the business. I feel like Ashley Young must be a vampire. He's actually looking like 28, which is weird. But maybe he's like 28 for the last Because he's 10 allowed years. himself to have hair for the first time in his football career. Very possibly. Then again, I can't joke or speak to that. Um, yeah, I told you, man. Voluntary bald men. Confusing. It's my energy, though. Worrying. Well... No, no, no. I mean, like, you know, when you have a full head of hair and you have a full hairline, but you decide to be bald. Yeah. Very, very yeah, troubling. Not the one. Juve were good. Still unbeaten along with Milan. Uh, they're only three points behind Inter now, four points behind Milan at the top. Yep, yep. Lazio beat Napoli. Big win for them. It was a big win. Second straight defeat in the league for Napoli. Obviously losing that game to Inter and then uh, in midweek and then losing to Lazio. So. A little bit of a wobble. I mean, but... then again, the thing is they're up against a traditional centre forward in Immobile and I, he really, he's a horrible proposition for any centre backs. Mm. Um, and they like to play on the front foot and he pins them back. Like he stops mm. you doing all the things, you know, playing out from the back. Napoli break really well, but he almost kills that, kills that at source with his movement. Mm. So he inhibited them at both ends. So he basically like scored the first goal, but then, you know, it was crucial on the second. And they, they kind of gave it away weirdly. I think it's, you see it so often in these games when you're chasing a tight game, you get sloppy and you get punished. Mm. And they did. So yeah, bad pass, cut out Immobile, Lewis and Alberto and it's 2-0. And that's a big win for Lazio. Yeah. But yeah, Serie A this year. Tasty. Super Tasty fun. Beat. As is La Liga. Uh, there's one more round of fixtures uh, midweek in Serie A and La Liga before Christmas. Barca, Barca, Barca. Two all against Valencia. Wasn't the worst result in the world? Messi got so... Got so bored of people talking about how many goals he's got from open play. He decided to sip, he decided to purposely miss a penalty. Yeah, and then again for people who say that he can't head it, he decided to like wait for the ball back in to head it in. It was it Graysman who was standing right there, was ready to put it in. And Messi was just like, "Nah, what mess for that is." Um, but to be honest though, Barca they just can't really seem to build any momentum at the moment, especially Real Madrid. With Real Madrid now kind of like starting to find a rhythm, they beat. Uh, a bar 3 1, which is a really fun game, this actually. And obviously, Atleti also winning 3 1. They've got two games in hand on Real, yeah, three on Sausage. So, a win midweek will make sure that they, they are definitely, definitely top at Christmas. Um, let's get out of here. Let's do it. It's rock and it's roll. Christmas time. It is indeed. There's no need to be afraid. Oh my goodness, look at this. He's freestyling. Ha ha. Christmas time, mistletoe and rye. You get all the best puns and names, don't you? You really do. Ian hates that. He hates that. He's Righty. like, oh, yeah. No, yeah. He forgot oh. the best. Like the last week when we were on, uh, he was he shouted out a load of mine at the end, but then he forgot the one that he was trying to think of, which was... The Hundalorian. No, Reisker Hundietta. <laughs> That's the one that he wanted. That's brilliant. Mm. 
If you are celebrating Christmas, we hope you have a great, great Christmas. We understand that this is a tricky one for a number of people this year. So we hope that if you are in parts of the world or in circumstances that mean you are having a different Christmas to normal. Yeah. We really hope it's as good as it can be. We want to say to everyone who's not not celebrating Christmas, we hope you are also able to enjoy some nice time off or family time. But yeah, uh, and also just one final thing from me um, before we do the bullshit admin, before we get out of it. Um, thanks for all of the uh, love and support from everyone this year. It's been really, it's been really, really lovely. Yeah, it's been big. Really it's been a big it. deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It will sound dramatic. I was going to say something really cheesy. You? Sound uh, dramatic? Cheesy? Yeah, Christmas. What? Yeah. No, doing this podcast has been a life-changing experience. It has been. It's true. I won't elaborate on that, but it has been. So, thank you. Listener, he means for the worst because he has to look at me twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's also that, to be honest. You can't quit. You can't quit it. You can't quit me, baby. <laughs> Stuck with me now. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So don't forget also Stadio Sessions on the 26th. We will be doing a Stadio Session. I think it's number 10. Uh, at Stadio on Twitter for all the info on that. At Stadio Football on Instagram. Obviously we're on all platforms. So if you fancy giving us a lovely Christmas rating and review, that would be lovely. Help us grow the podcast. <laughs> ah, my time. My time. <laughs> everyone, uh, everyone stay hydrated. Ro- stay hydrated. Stay yeah, yeah. Don't stay hydrated. That sounds really creepy. <laughs> I'll see you at mine Christmas Day. Looking forward to it. Your vibes. I'm glad one of us is. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It'd be your own people. <laughs> Let me out of here. Let me out of here. I'm, sorry. Hey, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know what I'm looking forward to it. Um, we're playing out with the Howard Lemon singers for the children. Stay safe and well, everyone. Lots of love. We'll be back with the Righty's House on Wednesday. And yeah, if you are celebrating, Merry Christmas. Take care.